Good morning and welcome to Echoes of Calvary. This is your host, Greg Sweeting. Thank you for opening your home to us this morning. I invite you to now open your hearts and worship with us as we share from the Word of God. Stay with us as we share comments and illustrations with a spiritual application, present special music to call us to worship, and in a few minutes, Pastor Alan Lee will come to share insights from Scripture and explain how to apply God's Word that we might grow to be complete in Christ. I'm reading Billy Graham's book, which he called Nearing Home. I spotted this book on the shelf in the bookshop at the Billy Graham Library in North Carolina when we visited there last year. I thought it would be appropriate since the title certainly fits me at my age today. I'm certainly nearing home. As Mr. Graham said in the book, he was taught very well how to prepare for death, but no one ever taught him how to prepare for growing old. This is very true, and I would imagine it applied to almost everyone listening to me this morning. If you are born again Christian, then your future is assured and you will live forever with the Lord in heaven. Your death will be like a comma in the history of story of your life, merely a brief pause as you pass from this life to the eternal life that God has provided for us. You will, in the words of the song, close your eyes here and open them again in heaven when you will also breathe the celestial air. Poets often take liberties with their lyrics, but sometimes they must in order to try to explain spiritual realities with human words. Totally inadequate, but that's all we have. Like John writing the book of Revelation, describing his visions of futuristic events and, and entities in the limited vocabulary of the first century, he found it difficult. I am finding Mr. Graham's thoughts so encouraging. He is, of course, a few years older than me, and he knows that he has but little time left on this planet. But he speaks from a vast platform of experiences and relationships that help him to outline many of the same issues and concerns that I have begun to face too as I grow older and reach retirement and the life beyond that. And my body begins to shout the effects of the years that have demanded on me. I can commend this book to you. The trouble is most of us tend to put off such thoughts believing we have time to face these issues later. We read the significance of this in Ecclesiastes. Remember now your Creator in the days of your youth before the difficult days come. As Mr. Graham says, not everything gets better with age. Solomon, with characteristic wisdom, advises young people to understand that difficulties lie ahead as one gets older. Plan now while you are young, with time and energy on your side.
John chapter 5, verse 25, we read, The dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. John Newton understood this perfectly. He once said, I am still in the land of the dying. I shall be in the land of the living soon. When the Lord calls us, be it with a shout that comes at all the day we are raptured into his presence, or if he should call us home sooner to be with him in heaven. When we hear his voice, John said triumphantly, when we hear his voice, we will live. We will live as we have never been able to live in these temporary tents we call bodies. This mortal will put on immortality and will be changed. Then we shall see our Savior face to face. That will be glory for me. How about you? Can you say the same thing, my listening friend? I hope so.
And now with his message for today, here is Senior Pastor Emeritus, Alan Lee. Greetings once again in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our topic is Living in the Spirit. Our theme verse is Galatians 5.25. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Our focus in this series of messages is on the biblical meaning of living a spiritual life to the glory of God. Our emphasis is on the practical application of biblical principles derived from the exposition of specific passages. This in itself will be the practical application of our theme verse, as we will see. Today, we continue with our answer to the question we posed last time. How does one become alive by the Spirit? If the spiritual life, the new birth or regeneration, is affected by the Holy Spirit, exactly how does this come about? First, of course, as we emphasized in our last message, the basic biblical condition is we must have or receive the Spirit to have spiritual life. Romans chapter 8, verse 9 makes this very clear. Quote, If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. End of quote. The Word of God cannot be any clearer than that. To be a child of God, one must have the Spirit of God living within him or her. It's impossible to be a Christian and not be indwelt by the Holy Spirit. It is the presence of the Holy Spirit within us that makes us children of God. We cannot become a child of God and do anything to receive the Holy Spirit. The indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit is what makes us new creations in Christ, and it comes only through faith in his finished work. So the apostle is very clear. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. But now, and this is a review of what we covered last time, how do we get or receive the Spirit? How are we regenerated by the Spirit of God? Ephesians chapter 1 Verse 13 answers this question quite clearly and precisely. I quote, And you, speaking to Christians, you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and having believed, you were marked or sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Wow, what a fantastic truth this is. But notice very carefully. First, we must hear the gospel. The second, as a result of hearing the gospel, and I might add, hearing it accurately, we must believe and obey the gospel. This is all a work of the Holy Spirit. He illuminates the sinner to understand his need for a Savior, and then he brings conviction that he or she is, in fact, a sinner. And as the scripture says of Lydia, to open his or her heart to place faith in Christ as presented in the gospel. The spiritual life, then, the life that is necessary to live with God, is received upon receiving Christ as Savior. And at the very same time, the Holy Spirit, who is the source and energizer of that eternal life, takes up his permanent residence in the believing sinner. And the believer is now made alive in the Spirit. And so Paul is saying, since you have been made alive by the Holy Spirit, Live that new creation life by his enablement, and I might add, by his indwelling enablement. 
This, my friends, is how a believer is to live his or her life. This is how a true believer must live his or her life. But exactly what does it mean to live by the Spirit? To understand this vital Christian truth, we must see the command Paul gives here within the context in which it is given. Because when you come to Bible study, my friends, we always must remember that the guiding principle is context, context, context. Let's begin then at the beginning of this chapter. That's chapter 5 of the book of Galatians. Taking each segment of the passage in turn, hear the word of God. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty or freedom wherewith Christ has made us free. End of quote. This is a divine call to godly living, living in or by the Spirit. Regeneration and being placed in Christ by the Holy Spirit has set us free, Paul says, from the condemning bondage of trying to be saved by what we can do rather than by resting and trusting what Christ has done. We have been freed from working for salvation by God's grace through faith in Christ apart from works. Now, Paul is saying, since that is true, don't fall away from the state of grace you are in now that you have salvation and go back to the state of works in order to keep your salvation. Theologically, the apostle is saying both salvation and sanctification are based upon and secured by grace through faith. They're all of God, not man. Here's one situation Paul is saying, when you don't do anything, you just stand where you are in Christ. He is the one responsible for keeping you secure in your salvation, not you. Stand therefore in him and upon his finished work on the cross and on his ongoing work as our advocate in glory. What a message this is for us today. But notice now what the apostle says as he goes on. Be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. That's trying to save yourself to your own works. Verse 2. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you be uncircumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Notice carefully now what he says in verse 4. Christ is become of no effect unto you, whosoever you are justified by law. You are fallen from grace. Simply put and concisely as possible, Paul is saying, do not substitute Christ's power for the power of the law based upon works. Now, law here in this context is seen as human effort to gain, to earn, or to keep salvation. Paul says the believer in Christ has been freed from that powerless system for salvation. To revert to that system would be to abandon the grace system. What a freeing, liberating message this is, my friends. Paul says the believer in Christ has been freed from that powerless system for salvation. To revert to that system would be to fall from grace. Now listen to his words in verses 5 and 6. Quote, For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision avails anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which works by love. End of quote. Notice here, 
faith, hope, and love are all part of what I call the grace salvation system. The work salvation system manifests itself in rites or sacraments, but the grace salvation system based on faith shows itself by love. Love, therefore, must be and is the major characteristic of those who are trusting in Christ and who are walking by the Spirit. But that's not all. Walking by the Spirit under the grace system entails. Paul says we must also resist persecution from the work salvation system. Proponents. Listen to what he says in verses 7 and 8. Quote, You did run well, but who hinders you now that you should not obey the truth anymore? This persuasion comes not of him that calls you. End of quote. In other words, the apostle is saying, don't give into the pressures of false teachers. They are not serving Christ. Here's the principle, friends. A person who teaches a gospel of works rather than grace is not a servant of Christ. They are serving their own personal interests. What an indictment this is. But now notice what he says in verse 11. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Now, this means a little bit of the salvation by law system mixed in with the salvation by grace systems ruins the whole system of grace. Verse 10, he says, I have confidence in you through the Lord that you would be none otherwise minded, but he that troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he may be. God will judge all those who mix works with grace. Verse 11, And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. End of quote. Friends, listen carefully. There is an inherent scandal in the grace system because it centers on the blood of Jesus Christ. It's unbelievable and even incomprehensible that some preachers today would teach that we should not preach about the cross anymore, only about the kingdom. These preachers say people don't want to hear about blood, but only about blessings of the kingdom. My friends, that is not the teaching of the word of God. There's no doubt that such preachers will get the crowds to listen to them, however. Why? Because they have done exactly what God says to the apostle not to do, and that is to take away the offense or the scandal of the gospel. Unsaved folks simply do not like to hear about the blood of Christ or his dying on the cross for our sins. That's an offense to them. But Paul says it's an inherent within the gospel message. That offense or scandal must not be removed from the gospel message. Neither must it be watered down, dressed up, or compromised in any way whatsoever. Christ and him crucified is the message of God's grace. Paul's word to the Corinthians are true today for us as it was for them years ago. Listen to his words carefully and take heed so you will not fall prey to erroneous teaching today. This is what he says in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 2. I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Not Jesus Christ and him as king, but Jesus Christ and him crucified. Friends, there is no gospel if the blood of Christ is eliminated or omitted. It must always be preached for what it was, is, and ever will be, the word of God and not the word of man. 
Verse 12 shows the importance and seriousness of this truth. But unfortunately, our time is gone for today. So we will pick up at this point next time, Lord willing. Until then, this is Senior Pastor Emeritus Alan Lee saying, Selah, think and act on these things. You have been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church in Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship service begins this morning at 11 o'clock in the sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We extend an invitation to you to join us on these occasions. If you would like to contact the church or Pastor Lee, address your letters to Echoes of Calvary, Post Office Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And so we come to an end of this broadcast. I invite you to think about the message this morning. Consider the one who is our Savior and Lord. Grow to be complete in Him. And remember, as echoes from Calvary stir in your heart, keep listening for that shout, Maranatha, the Lord is coming soon. There forevermore to stay. Great command is promised, he will surely come again. I am listening every moment for the mighty trumpet sound. What a time we'll have together when the saints shall leave the ground and not toiling will be happen in a moment, Jesus Christ could come again, I am listening every moment, for the mighty trumpet sound, what a time we'll have together, when the saints shall leave the ground, and our in a moment Jesus Christ could come again